Hello everybody, welcome along to our November edition of Baptist Voice. Slightly later than usual because of circumstances beyond our control. No tapes or CDs this month, we're locked out of our church studio again for coronavirus precautions. If you know of anyone who regularly receives their Baptist Voice that way, please pass on our apologies and we are assured that normal service will be resumed in December. And finally, we have a new member of our team, Colin, who's joining us for the first time this month. Deep breath. We start with a favourite hymn, often associated with this time of remembrance, Oh God, our help in ages past, number 389 in Baptist Praise and Worship. on now with a roundup of news from the Baptist Union. Here's Andrea. This year's Interfaith Week runs from the 8th to the 15th of November. Interfaith Week's aims are to strengthen good interfaith relations at all levels, increase awareness of the different and distinct faith communities in the UK, in particular celebrating and building on the contribution which their members make to their neighbourhoods and to the wider society, and to increase understanding between people of religious and non-religious beliefs. If you go to their website, https colon forward slash forward slash interfaithweek.org, 
You will see ideas for activities to share and online activities such as Interfaith Week Buddies, the aim of which is to build on the aims of Interfaith Week itself, but on a personal basis. On the Baptist Together website, you'll see a report of a Zoom meeting between Andy Williams and Tarek, a representative of their local mosque. Andy is Joint Minister of Blackley Baptist Church and Director for Interfaith Relations at the Blackley Centre in West Yorkshire. They swapped experiences of life on the Covid lockdown and the difficulties of meeting for prayer and worship, a common experience across the board. In a discussion about how the different faiths approached caring for the community, other representatives joined in, with Amir explaining that the Quran taught that you should wish for your brother and sister what you wish for yourself. Michael from the Anglican Church explained how we are taught to love God and love others as much as we love ourselves. Altogether, it was agreed that this was a useful pilot project and they should evaluate the experience with a view to holding further open meetings. Churches across the UK have provided more than 5 million meals per month during the coronavirus pandemic, according to a new report. The report released by Your Neighbour suggests many of those meals have been provided to frontline workers, those who were self-shielding and individuals too embarrassed to ask for help. Your Neighbour has been a UK-wide church response to COVID-19. In the six-week period after the onset of lockdown, the founders built a network of over 1,100 churches with denominational partners including the Church of England, Salvation Army, Baptists Together, Assemblies of God, Vineyard and the Methodist Church. The new report, The Church in Lockdown, highlights a number of areas where churches have been active in responding to the emergency needs felt across the country. One of the key areas has been its response to the crisis in food poverty, which has been highlighted time and time again in 2020, with the increased demands for food banks and the advocacy work done by high-profile spokespeople such as Marcus Rashford. The report estimates that churches across the UK have provided more than 5 million meals per month during this coronavirus pandemic. More than 80 participants gathered in Zoom across two days, 21st to the 22nd of October, for this autumn's gathering of the BU Council. It was also the first council to be signed in BSL. The online technology enabled the use of chat boxes, breakout rooms and digital voting for feedback, discussion and decisions. Council last met in November 2019, after the March gathering was cancelled amid growing coronavirus restrictions. Council members approved six new measures relating to justice, as well as issuing a wider call for virtual church members' meetings and discerning fairer ways of distributing ultimate trust monies from closed churches were among the other items on the agenda. The buildings were closed, but the church was open. The report cites the example of West End Baptist Church in Wiltshire, which sought to address digital poverty by refurbishing and distributing laptops through local schools so that disadvantaged pupils could continue to engage with the curriculum. To find out more about Your Neighbour and the Church in Lockdown report, go to yourneighbour.org. 
Professor Paul Weller has secured British Academy special COVID funding to conduct together with Dr. Sanji Pereira research on the organisational, financial and human impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the Christian faith-based organisation service sector in Great Britain. He is conducting this project from one of his other employed bases within the Faith and Peaceful Relations Research Group at Coventry University's Centre for Trust, Peace and Social Relations. The project is the only one of 56 projects funded out of 842 applications by the Academy from its special COVID research fund to focus on religion. Further information is available on the project from which a more detailed PDF is also downloadable. The project began at the start of August and is scheduled to run until April 2021. The project's main research instrument is an online survey of Christian faith-based organisations, which will take place between October 2020 and January 2021. In March 2021, there will be a Project Knowledge Exchange Conference to which also FBOs of other than Christian faiths will be invited to engage with the project findings, also from their perspective. Professor Weller said, This is a privilege to be working on this project, given the important place that Christian faith-based organisations have in the service sector overall, and have especially had in recent times, in both the Christian interfaith and wider community response to COVID-19. Professor Weller is a member of Broadway Baptist Church in Derby and also a research fellow in Religion and Society and Associate Director UK of the Oxford Centre for Religion and Culture at Regent's Park College. That's our national news breakdown for November. Our roundup of overseas news follows in about 30 minutes. Next on the agenda is Lucy, who once again has been looking at the news for and about our children and youth. And this month, in common with many of our young people, her thoughts are turning towards Christmas. The clocks have changed, the nights are drawing in, and our thoughts turn to one of the most important festivals in the Christian calendar, when we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Saviour. Usually for churches, it's a busy time of nativity plays, carol services and preparations for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services. However, we know that this year will be very different. These are some thoughts from the Scottish Baptist Association and published on their website. Gone are the packed candlelit services, nativity rehearsals, children's Christmas parties, carol singing in care homes or hosting meals for others. Yes, things will be very different. So how do we navigate a Covid Christmas? How do we as individuals and as churches become beacons of light in this season, pointing people to the light of the world? How can we make the most of our celebration of the Christ who came and dwelt among us, even though we cannot meet to celebrate in the same way? Christmas isn't cancelled because of Covid. We have the opportunity to celebrate in smaller, simpler ways and to seek to be incarnational in our presence within our communities in more innovative, COVID-safe ways. Will this be a year where the true meaning of Christmas shines brighter than the glittering lights of shopping malls? What is your church doing? I know of one church who is looking to bless local children, 
Guests is a food bank and a local homeless hostel by bulk buying advent calendars with the real meaning of Christmas on them to distribute them to people and bless them. I'm sure there will be many other churches looking to do similar things. Do please use our Facebook group. Do please use our Facebook group to share ideas with other churches about what your church is doing. How do we support and bring comfort to the very elderly and the lonely this year? when the restrictions probably will not allow us to have different people in our homes. I don't know the answer, but I'm praying that God will give us wisdom and creativity so that we can do what we can to bring hope and light and even joy in what might be a difficult time. There is something very soothing about the flickering light of a candle. I'm going to light a candle and put it in my window every night of Advent this year as a symbol of hope and as a pointer to Jesus the light of the world. Thank you, God, that your light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Youth for Christ have just released the findings from their latest piece of research, Z to A of Faith and Spirituality. This is Youth for Christ's third piece of national research. Here they expand on their initial findings from Gen Z, Rethinking Culture, regarding young people's view of religion and faith from their first piece of research. This time they asked young people questions about God and spirituality, prayer and experience and their views of church and Christianity. They say that through the findings of this research, they will be able to continue to innovatively explore what it means to see a generation connect with the person of God for the first time. The four main areas of the findings are spiritual awareness, the character of God, prayer and experiences, and key influences. You can buy a copy of their research for £9.99p by going to the products page of the Youth for Christ website. There, you will also see copies of the earlier research papers, priced at £7.50p. Whilst you're viewing the YFC products, you'll see that the R Metal resource is aimed at 14 to 18s who already have a faith in Jesus or go to church. It is discipleship for young people to develop their relationship with God and think about how to share faith in Jesus with those around them. There are six key teachings and themes that are unpacked throughout the academic year. The themes are Jesus-centred relationships, giving and serving, living wisely, connecting with God and sharing faith. Each session is made up of modules and you can use as many or as few of the modules as works for you. You can also personalise each session and add your own comments that will be relevant to your youth group. They highlight three or four core modules per session that are modules which they think are the best to use if you have limited time for a session. Modules include games, activities, Bible studies, discussions, films, creative responses and much more. They try to have a variety of modules to make each session as fun and engaging as possible for young people. And now for that new voice I promised you. It belongs to Colin, who's joined our team and will be in charge of the regional news. And he starts by bringing us news from the Midlands and Kettering in particular. Rockingham Road Baptist Church in Kettering has paid tribute to long-serving member Robin Smith. Robin was the country's oldest person with Down syndrome. Died on the 27th of September, aged 78 and had been part of the church for 34 years. Minister Laura Staves, who had the joy of baptising Robin in 2017, described him as an invaluable member of Rockingham Road Baptist Church and a great blessing to us all. 
Robin reflected God's love to all he met and church was important to him, Laura said. His faith was genuine and lived out, even though he could not have expressed it easily in theological terms. The way he interacted with people, his contentment and concerns for others, frequently asking me to pray in a service for one of his friends who was ill, showed what was important in faith. It took time to communicate with him since his speech was not always clear, particularly for a hard-of-hearing minister, but reminded me of the need to take time, properly listening to people, and not to spend life rushing on to the next job. She said the two things the church folk immediately think of when remembering Robin is his wonderful beaming smile and his guitar playing. In recent years, he has played every Sunday on a guitar, a small ukulele, and his rhythm was superb, said Laura. She added that his baptism in 2017 came about with no prompting. A few months previously, our Sunday group at church, for those with learning difficulty, were reading the account of the baptism of Jesus. Robin just looked up and said, I want to be baptised. I have found out in the last few days when preparing for his funeral service that his parents were strong Baptists in Rushton, North Ants, where he was born. He was a lovely man who oozed love. On Saturday the 19th of September, Long Eaton Baptist Church inducted Mike Arnold as its new minister. The service was led by the moderator Michael Bohansky and the act of induction was guided by Regional Minister Nick Ashton, who also preached. It was great to welcome and receive greetings from representatives of the community and from Calverton Baptist Church and other local churches. The laying on of hands had to be done differently in these Covid times by a touching of elbows, and the celebratory tea will have to wait probably until next year. This was nonetheless a day the Lord had made. We are glad and rejoiced in it, reported the members. Garland Street Baptist Church in Bury St Edmunds celebrated its 220th anniversary in midsummer. To commemorate the occasion, a new book has been written by church member Terry Tyrrell. The story begins in the mid-1600s as various nonconformist groups first appeared across Suffolk. In those days, men and women devoted to Baptist principles joined other groups for worship, although their individual doctrines didn't always coincide. It would have been a century and a half before Baptists in Bury established their own church, Ebenezer Chapel. The Reverend Thomas Ridley baptised the original ten members on the day the chapel opened in July 1800. Interestingly, within seven years, five of them had been dismissed for offences ranging from financial misconduct to attending public places of amusement and other vanities. During that period, several townsfolk joined Ebenezer, but others were removed for conducting worldly business on the Lord's Day, breaking the Sabbath or singing vain songs and drinking amongst vain company with much levity. The Reverend Cornelius Elvin led the church for 50 years and membership increased to nearly 650. The chapel was enlarged in 1828 but within six years 
the building was no longer sufficient for the rapidly growing congregation. Garland Street Baptist Church opened in May 1834. Within two decades, the combined attendance at three Sunday worship services topped 2,000 people. Between 1824 and 1852, Garland Street established 47 preaching stations in villages across the county. Cornelius travelled extensively to preach and from time to time his trips were quite eventful. On one occasion he and his horse and carriage were run off the road by an intoxicated man in a cart. On another trip he was harassed by a company of lewd fellows of the Baser sort who kept yelling and howling as he led worship. In common with most Baptist churches the church meetings can take a bizarre twist. In 1957 they debated the disappearance of an antique chamber pot and jug, property of the church. It was found after 50 years buried in a trench outside the church. The history of Garland Street Baptist Church is on sale for £10 plus postage. To order a copy, contact author Terry Tyrrell by email at history at garlandstreet.org.uk Thank you, Colin. Uh, more from Colin in a little while, but uh, next we break for some more music. Uh, music from Gareth, and this month he serenades us with I'll Praise My Maker While I Breath. It's number 127 in Baptist Praise and Worship. <laughs> Thank you. 
Onward now to Christian Aid news, and thanks to Jane for stepping in last month when Claire was out of action. But Claire is fully restored and joins us this month to tell us of a new report from Christian Aid concerning that growing problem of climate change. A new report from Christian Aid has warned that post-COVID-19 stimulus packages are in danger of widening global inequality and pushing poorer countries to turn to fossil fuels, which would threaten the success of the UK's COP26 climate summit. The report, Who's Green Recovery, analyses the various economic stimulus plans around the world. The report reveals that there is a dangerous lack of policies that will help developing countries, potentially wiping out climate gains in the global north. More than half a trillion dollars going to carbon-intensive industries, failure to add bailout conditions which would accelerate the zero-carbon transition. Recovery plans deemed green are almost entirely made up of domestic policies, which do little to help poorer countries trying to recover from the economic fallout of COVID-19. Despite rhetoric about the importance of a green recovery, more than half a trillion dollars worldwide are being given to carbon-intensive businesses, with 70% more recovery aid going to fossil fuel producers and high-carbon sectors, such as airlines, than green solutions. COP26 host, the UK, has provided more than £5 billion to oil and gas, airlines and other transport sectors, without being asked to make any commitments to a zero-carbon transition. The danger is that if left without support, poorer nations facing desperate challenges may be forced to use cheap coal to aid their recovery. Mohamed Adao, director of Nairobi-based climate and energy think tank PowerShift Africa, said, This could see the climate gains of the green stimulus in the global north wiped out, destabilise the Paris Agreement ahead of the crucial COP26 summit in Glasgow next year, and leave the world on a perilous course towards global heating of more than 1.5 centigrade. Christian Aid has welcomed decision at the G20 Finance Ministers meeting in October to extend the Debt Servicing Suspension Initiative, DSSI, for another six months, while expressing deep concern over private banks profiting from the ongoing international crisis, which risks trapping people in the poorest countries into deepening poverty. As shown in Christian Aid's new Under the Radar report, HSBC, BlackRock and other banks are being paid in full, while bilateral creditors have accepted a payment holiday for 14 months. The report found that bondholders in Nigeria are paid between 6.5% to 9.3% in interest on bonds, while bilateral creditors have accepted a standstill. Most private sector debt remains under the radar and lacks transparency, and yesterday's announcement of a registry of multilateral debt is insufficient, as it does not include further data on private sector debt. The report found that in Zambia, only $295 million of the $1 billion of total bondholders could be found, with the rest not accessible on databases. Many developing countries will struggle to meet financing costs to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic and its dire economic consequences if a more ambitious debt cancellation is not agreed. Matty Cahonan, Christian Aid's private sector advisor, said, It's outrageous that private sector banks like HSBC and investment funds managed by BlackRock 
are still six months into the crisis being paid in full, while debt owed to donor governments will now be on hold until the end of June 2021 and possibly longer, a total of 14 months. Even before the pandemic, a total of 64 developing nations spend more in debt servicing than on public health. Christian Aid has announced the steps it will take immediately and over the next 18 months and beyond to address the experience of racial injustice in the working environment among its Britain-based staff. Christian Aid's board and leadership team commissioned a report early in 2020 in the light of the changes involved in aligning the charity with a new international strategy, Standing Together, and the perceived impact of these changes on Britain-based staff. Shortly afterwards, the Black Lives Matter movement raised racial injustice to the top of the agenda for a wide range of organisations and institutions, including the churches, the arts, business, politics and international development agencies. Dr Rowan Williams, chair of Christian Aid, said, This report shows that we have fallen short of the standards that we set for ourselves, standards that we must embody in order to realise our vision. The report shines a light on the reality of the human cost of racial inequality. The effects of this inequality are pervasive in our society, and we must acknowledge with penitence that they are also pervasive in our organisation. More from Claire in a little while, but we move on with college news, and our student with an ear to the ground is Katie. And she's discovered what at first sight appears to be a complete shutdown of the colleges. It makes you sit up with a jolt. When I started the research for this piece about the news from our colleges and took a look at the calendar of events planned for the Scottish Baptist College, I found it completely blank. Not a single event marked in or even planned for the month of November. Looking ahead, there's nothing down for December either. So when I dug down deeper, I realised that there are no events taking place. No meetings for people to put in their diaries. Absolutely everything has now been moved online. When you find the online guides to studying at the Scottish Baptist College, all is revealed. All the modules for all the courses are being taught online. For example, under the heading Equipping People to Participate in God's Kingdom, there's a module dedicated to Paul and the Gospel of Jesus. There's a new one starting in December on the Sermon on the Mount, being taught by the college co-principal, Reverend Dr. Lena Toth. All modules are validated by the University of the West of Scotland and will be taught through blended distance learning using video conferenced real-time classes. There's even a link to an explanation of the reasons for using this method of teaching and learning which will help those not used to this new method of working. Ken Leach, 1939-2015, was a well-known Anglo-Catholic priest and a Christian socialist. He believed that theology must be grounded in prayer and should be the work of the entire local Christian community across the boundaries of class, race and sex. He strongly supported the ordination of women and the rights of gay and lesbian people. His publications include guides to prayer and spiritual direction, autobiographical reflections on urban ministry, 
and theological critiques of capitalism and social injustice. The annual lecture was delivered in his memory at St Chrysostom's Church, Victoria Park, just around the corner from Luther King House on the 3rd of November and was given by Right Reverend Paul Baines, the Bishop of Liverpool. You are invited to the next Mental Health Act Research Symposium on Ageing on Thursday the 12th of November from 10.30am to 4pm at Luther King House, which will be held on Zoom. Carol Jagger, Professor of Epidemiology of Ageing at Newcastle University, will lead our thinking on spirituality and healthy ageing. And Chris Swift, Director of Chaplaincy and Spirituality at MHA, will help us to reflect on chaplaincy during COVID. All are welcome. This seminar is an opportunity to share current or recent research in areas relating to ageing, faith and spirituality and aims to bring together researchers and reflective practitioners. It will be of interest to academic researchers, chaplains, health professionals and any others who are interested in learning more about faith development and spirituality amongst older people. A full programme for the day is available from the Luther King House website www.lutherkinghouse.org.uk and searching for Mental Health Symposium. You are asked to note that, as we are meeting via Zoom, the cost for this conference is considerably lower than usual, at just £10, to reflect a reduction in costs as we are meeting virtually. Luther King House Registry will send the Zoom details to all confirmed registrants nearer the time. To book a place, please contact the Luther King House Registry Office 0161 249 2504 for further information. All MHA funded registrants must include a purchase order number on their registration forms to ensure that invoices are sent before the date of the symposium. Thank you Katie and it's music news next and Phil has been taking a look at what you've been buying online in the way of gospel music and the chart is from Cross Rhythms. It must be a good six months since we took a look at the gospel music charts. Well, some artists are holding back, hoping to catch the Christmas market. But this is how things stood in the Cross Rhythms chart on November the 1st. At number 10, it's Social Beings and a track from their album, Social Mania, called My Love. It's a new entry at number 9, Isaac by Holin from the album Everything and More. That's on the Goatee label. Down a place to number 8, after six weeks in the charts, David Leonard's song, You Know Me. Martin Joseph has a new entry at number seven, This Glass, from his album Here Come the Young. Rock Steady with two weeks at number six, J.P. Cooper, Sing It With Me, the title track from the album of the same name. Down to number five after eight weeks in the charts, Don't Judge Me by Kiera Sheard. Another album title track now from Liana Crawford, up a place to number four, Truth I'm Standing On. Steady at number three, Zach Williams' song, there Was Jesus, featuring Dolly Parton, is from the album Rescue Story on the Essential label. There's a new entry at number two, Torrin Wells, 
and Millionaire featuring Kirk Franklin and taken from the album Citizen of Heaven. And for the fourth week at number one, Holy from Justin Bieber. It's from the album Holy on the Def Jam label and it features Chance the Rapper. And here's just a snatch of it. I hear a lot about sinners Don't think that I'll be a saint But I might go down to the river Cause the way that the sky opens up when we touch it It's making me say That the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feels so holy I don't do well with the drama And no, I can't stand it being fake No, 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 no I don't believe in Nirvana But the way that we love in the night gave me life, baby I can't explain the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy, 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 holy Oh God, running to the altar like a track star Can't wait another second Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy They say we're too young and the pimps and the players say Don't go crushing Wise men say fools rushing But I don't know They say we're too young and The pimps and the players say Don't go crushing Wise men say fools are rushing But I don't know The first step pleases the father Might be the hardest to take next roundup of music news phil looks at the recent news from our local artists but first we take a look at the international news with andrea an international theological online conference took place on the theme of eschatological community faith ministry and prophetic witness in a changing world it was on the 5th of october 2020 the conference was organized by the european baptist federation the East European Institute of Theology, the Fellowship of European Evangelical Theologians, Odessa Theological Seminary, Spurgeon's College 
and the Anabaptist Mennonite Network UK. More than a 100 people from around the world attended. During the conference, issues were discussed concerning the Church's self-understanding as an eschatological community, the prophetic witness of the Church in the midst of the technocratic crisis of civilization, and the eschatological presence of Christ in liturgical practices. Among the presenters were distinguished international and national Baptist theologians and denominational leaders, including Tony Peck, Keith Jones, Ian Randall and Anthony Cross. It's no coincidence that the conference took place on the 5th of October. That day was the 70th birthday of the well-known Ukrainian Baptist theologian, historian and educator Dr. Sergei Vig Sanikov. Acknowledging the significant contribution Sergei Sanikov to the development of Baptist and Evangelical theology as a whole, the presenters entered into dialogue with his views on the nature of the Church, the purpose of mission, and the interpretation of the East European Evangelical tradition. On the 14th of May, Leah Sharibu turned 17 years old, but there were no celebrations. The date marked Leah's third birthday as a captive of the Islamic State's West African province, ISWAP, an offshoot of the notorious Boko Haram terrorist group. Leah was one of 110 girls abducted from their school in Dapchi, Nigeria, on 19th of February 2018. Five of them died in captivity. The following month, the surviving girls were put into vehicles and returned to their families following government negotiations, but Leah was not among them. The sole Christian in the group, Leah, who was just 14 at the time, was told that she would be freed only if she renounced her faith and converted to Islam. However, in a show of inspiring and unwavering bravery, Leah refused. She has remained the terrorist captive ever since. Leah shared her captivity with another, a Christian nurse, Alison Gadda, who was abducted with two other humanitarian workers in March 2018. In October 2018, following the execution of Alice's Muslim colleagues for alleged apostasy, ISWAP declared that Leah and Alice would be their slaves for life. Although current circumstances meant it was not possible to gather outside the High Commission to mark Leah's 17th birthday, CSW and others would be doing everything in support of Leah's mother. An online prayer event was held on the evening of the 14th of May. Pastor Umberto's conversion in the Peruvian Amazon through Norta's mission training programme is testament to God's power to work miracles entirely independent of human intervention. It's a story that begins with two abandonments. One, Umberto's slow realisation that he was considering leaving his wife just six years into their marriage. It ended in her giving him an ultimatum. If he ever did go, he would never see their beloved son again. And the second, the shock of a clean break coming from left field, from a group of people who weren't supposed to leave. Some Christians had planted a church in Pastor Umberto's village of Nanai on a tributary of the Amazon River, only to announce they were making a trip further downstream. They needed a trustworthy man to look after the keys to the church while they were gone. Their trip away ended up in saving Umberto's marriage and brought about a life-changing conversion.
He didn't expect that the missionaries would never come back. Pastor Umberto holds the keys to the church that he never expected to run, but his changing character touched his wife. He heard God's prompting to look at her again in a new light, as the wife of his youth, a woman whose inner beauty outshone all others. You preach for us, Umberto, was the member's persistent plea. Pastor Umberto has come a long way from his first sermon preached from the Sermon on the Mount. For a brand new pastor and Christian quoting the words of his new Lord, it seemed a good place to start. But Umberto knew that without teaching he would never learn to craft a sermon, confidently explain the gospel or understand large portions of scripture. So when Umberto received his first invitation to a teaching series at the BMS-supported Norter Integral Mission Training Centre, the NMITC, there could be no one more grateful, enthusiastic or encouraged. There are pastors who didn't even finish primary school, Umberto explains. They can't read, let alone read the Bible, and look at me. I was handed the keys to an empty church, and then nothing, I had no preparation. That's why Norta's training program is so important. The Norta Integral Mission Training Centre is run by BMS World Mission Workers from the UK and from Peru and it's the fulfilment of a dream of many river pastors to receive theological training and Christian support. It is hope in the jungle. Pastors like Umberto are not only trained in theology, they're also equipped to help with the health and development of their own very rural villages, and these villages are only accessible by boat. Most of us don't get the opportunity to perform life-saving operations or deliver babies in our day-to-day lives. But when your church supports BMS World Missions Operation Chad Appeal, that's exactly what you'll be making possible. You'll be enabling BMS-supported workers to stitch up gunshot wounds, remove cancers, heal malnourished children and preach the gospel of Jesus to people who'd never heard it before. That sounds like something your church community wants to be a part of. Then watch Operation Chad. Operation Chad is a video appeal resource designed to help your church pray for and financially support the life-saving work of our team at Gwynibor 2 Hospital in Chad. There are so many ways you and your church can get involved at any time of the year. People travel long distances for care that BMS-supported doctors, midwives and hospital staff give at the Quinnibor too. They arrive knowing that we will do everything we can to save them. By supporting Operation Chad, you'll be helping this hospital, this beacon of hope in the Sahel, continue saving and transforming lives. And this year, as coronavirus patients arrive at the hospital, the medical team at Gwynibor too will be needing your church's support money more than ever. Go to www.bmsworldmission.org for more news and resources. More news for and from our children and young people with Lucy, and she starts this time in the Southern Counties. The Southern Counties Association have taken the current lull in proceedings to urge all those involved in working with children and young families to take a look at some of the training opportunities offered by the denomination. This is just a handful. CYF Toolkit 
Not a training course, but a toolkit to help your church or CYF team reflect on its work with children, young people and families. It includes a quick checklist at www.baptist.org.uk forward slash groups forward slash 279872 forward slash underscore CYF underscore links dot ASPX. Footsteps. If you're part of the CYF team at your church, then this training is ideal. It will deepen your understanding and you'll develop the skills necessary for ministry amongst children and young people. To find this, visit www.scba.org.uk forward slash footsteps.html. The Certificate in Theology, Ministry and Mission provides accredited training for those with experience and to accord to specialist ministries and mission with children, families and communities where they live. It integrates a high level of theological education and reflection and offers the opportunity for further study going forward. Visit www.bristol-baptist.ac.uk forward slash children dash youth dash ministry forward slash children dash family dash course forward slash. MA in Theology, Ministry and Mission. If you've got experience in working with children, young people or families and would like to have the opportunity to sharpen your understanding by critically reflecting on your experience and theology, then this opportunity might be a good fit for you. Visit www.bristol-baptist.ac.uk forward slash theological dash studies forward slash taught dash ma forward slash. For the southern region, the contact is Claire Hooper at c.hooper at scba.org.uk or call 0784-037-8788. Reverend Emma Moore is the Regional Minister for Children, Youth and Families in South Wales and is very interested in engaging CYF with churches and would like to meet with you and work with your church while you listen to where you think God might be leading your church regarding how it's working with or might work with children, young people and families. To that end, she's organised a couple of events that in fact may or may not take place. But best check with Emma Moore. That's emma at swba.org. The first one is on Zoom, so that's an almost a certainty. It's The Spiritual Child, Understanding and Nurturing Faith in Children and Young People, on Saturday the 21st of November. Two sessions this morning and afternoon. Again, contact Emma at swba.org for the Zoom details and the password. This next one was set up on Zoom as well. It concerns the emotional well-being of children and young people. Just an hour between 10.30 and 11.30am on Tuesday the 24th of November. The Zoom ID is 956-4966-2151 but I don't see a password to that one to allow you into the group so a quick email to Emma should sort it. Again at emma at swba.org. To bring the Christmas story alive in the schools in Ireland, the Baptist Association is touring with its own nativity reenactment. The Amazing Journey is designed for primary school pupils and uses creative storytelling, colourful displays and Bible characters to introduce children to the key stories and message of the Bible. 
Each year, thousands of children across Ireland experience the Bible in a fun and interactive, exciting and truly memorable way. Best of all, the Amazing Journey is offered free of charge to schools. As part of the Amazing Journey experience, pupils will also have the chance to participate in two exciting activities. Every child will have the opportunity to try on a Bible time costume and to taste some amazing Bible time food. The Amazing Journey is organised by the Baptist Youth Ireland but has no denominational emphasis. It is sponsored by local churches and is therefore free of charge to primary schools in all sectors throughout Ireland. Local churches provide a team of volunteers who act as the Bible characters and assist the children with the activities. All volunteers are required to have met the criteria laid down by their child protection policy. However, we do ask that the teacher remains with each group and takes ultimate responsibility for the pupils. If you are interested in having the amazing journey visit your school, contact Aaron on 077 385 92836. Thank you, Lucy. And we move on to hear once more from Claire and Christian Aid News. And here, that's they've joined forces with other aid agencies concerned about the burden of debt on third world countries. More than 140 senior church leaders representing millions of Christians around the world have signed a letter urging the International Monetary Fund and World Bank to cancel debts for developing countries fighting the coronavirus pandemic. The letter, signed by cardinals, archbishops and heads of religious congregations from different Christian denominations, was sent ahead of the World Bank and IMF annual meetings on 16th to 18th of October. The institutions are expected to discuss debt relief for poor nations at the meeting as part of planning for the global economic recovery. In the letter, the church leaders encourage the institutions to show courageous leadership and argue that debt cancellation is the most immediate way to release the finance required to prevent millions of our sisters and brothers being needlessly pushed into poverty by the pandemic. The faith leaders write that each has borne witness to the impact the coronavirus pandemic has had on the most vulnerable members of our communities through illness, death, hunger and loss of livelihoods. Without the cancellation of debts, there remains a grave risk that developing countries will not have the money so desperately and urgently needed to halt the spread of the virus, to treat people suffering from the virus and to mitigate and recover from the economic and social destruction threatened by the virus, the letter insists. The senior Christian figures cite a call from Pope Francis for debts to be cancelled in recognition of the severe impacts of the medical, social and economic crises faced by vulnerable countries as a result of the coronavirus. Responding to the World Energy Outlook report published by the International Energy Agency on Tuesday, October the 13th, Christian A's global climate lead, Dr Kat Kramer, said, It's clear that we are entering the age of renewables. The falling costs, ease of deployment and benefit for the climate all make them far superior to the polluting fossil fuels of the past. Although the death knell is rightfully sounding for the fossil fuel industry, it's not yet clear whether the transition to a zero carbon economy will come fast enough to prevent the most destructive impacts of the climate crisis. It's no longer a question of how many years do we have left to save the planet. We're already seeing extreme weather, rising sea levels and hotter temperatures causing misery around the world. 
The report is clear that this is a unique moment in history for governments to accelerate the transition to clean energy. With vast amounts of economic stimulus being spent, there's an opportunity like no other to put the world on a path that secures a safe climate for everyone. The report shows the huge potential of renewables around the world, with much of it in poorer countries. But these countries need to see international investment to help them harness the solar, wind and geothermal energy that's on their doorstep. Musicians at King's Ely raised more than £500 for a charity tier fund while celebrating German composer Ludwig van Beethoven's 250th birthday. Students from Year 2 to 13, as well as several members of staff, took part in the Beethovenathon, which saw more than 50 pieces performed. Performances were held at King's Ely Acremont, King's Ely Junior and in the Gibson Recital Hall at King's Ely Senior. Three students, Christian Peter, Samuel and Eleanor, performed piano sonatas, and King's Ely Senior string students performed movements from all ten of Beethoven's violin sonatas. Other highlights included James's version of the last movement of the Moonlight Sonata played on the electric guitar, and the Year 13 Music A-level class rendition of A Fifth of Beethoven from Saturday Night Fever. The youngest student who took part was Year 2 pupil Ashel, who played Ode to Joy on the piano. This was live-streamed to all classrooms at King's Ely Acremont. The event, which was organised by Director of Music Neil Porter-Thor and his team, was held in aid of the Christian Tear Fund, which helps the poorest in society working in more than 50 countries. The orchestra is now preparing movements of Beethoven's 5th, 7th and 9th symphonies, which they'll perform in Ely Cathedral before his birthday in December. King's Ely's Jazz Band is also working on A Fifth of Beethoven, arranged by Walter Murphy. Thank you, Claire. And we turn our attention once again to music, and it's Phil's roundup of current action in the UK. So what are our regular gospel singers up to in these trying times? Well, Philippa Hanna is missing the touring and singing for folk, but seems to have filled the time to good effect by producing a new album and by becoming pregnant. There's Little Girl on the Way any day now, and Philippa is filled with impatience and the urge to buy baby clothes. Well, the album is called Stained Glass Stories, the background which we've mentioned before, but it's out now and you can buy your copy from philippahanna.com or for £10.99 from YouTube. Philippa Hanna is a great fan of Graham Kendrick, the writer of so many brilliant Christian songs. I think the feeling is mutual if you count the number of times Philippa's name pops up on Graham's Facebook pages. Well, you'd be pleased to know that Graham's 12 Songs for Christmas are still available on YouTube, as is a recording of the special service Graham compiled for broadcast on BBC local radio stations. It went out on the 12th of July. You can listen to it by going to BBC Local Radio Sunday Services and scrolling down until you find 12 of July 2020. Now Sunday the 15th of November, Wren Collective will be launching an online event, New Song at Home. It's online from 7 until 9 and hosted at newsongwarrington.com. For more information, you can contact newsonginfowar at gmail.com. That's newsonginfowar, W-A-R-R, at gmail.com. The minister there is Linda Bishop. 
Now more from Ren Collective. It's been six years since they brought out their first Christmas album, Campfire Christmas Volume 1, and every year since, they've been asking themselves if this was the year to write the next one. But they say it never felt right. Then 2020 hit, and they, like most people, were desperate for some joy in the midst of the chaos. In an online message, they say, we hope these songs bring you joy, connect you with the ones you love, give you a bit of a laugh, and help fix your eyes on Jesus as the year comes to an end. And because it's 2020, where anything goes, happy early Christmas. You can find all the details at rend.inc.to slash jolly irish christmas and i forgot to mention when talking about graham kendrick that he's released a number of videos to be used for free in a lockdown church service they're on youtube and all you have to do is uh, say graham is logged the ccli reference on your annual return just as if you'd send them in church there's a whole host of kendrick favorites complete with a link to the full playlist and this is ralph's favorite so i thought i'd humor him from heaven you came Helpless babe Entered our world Your glory veiled Not to be served But to serve And give your life That we might live This is our God
back to our colleges now, and uh, although physically that's not at all possible in most cases, Katie starts with a question, or rather a challenge. Do you have an interest in church planting or mission on the margins? Are you interested in learning from others in this area or becoming an expert practitioner? St Hilde's College in Yorkshire has now launched their two new practitioner tracks. To catch up, you can watch the video used to launch the scheme on YouTube. Go to www.senthild.org, scroll down to the box labelled Latest News, and it's the first story on there. You can then watch the digital launch with opportunity to hear from the track leaders, including Christian Selvaratnam, Director of the St Hilde Centre for Church Planting, and Carmel Murphy and Andrew Grinnell from Urban Life. Please email planting at senthild.org or mottmargins at senthild.org to receive further information on the two, two tracks. More details of the practitioner tracks are available on the St Hilde website headed Church Planting and Mission on the Margins. A note on the Bristol Baptist College website points out that although the college was closed for half term until the 30th of October, it was hoped that it would reopen on the 2nd of November. Some staff are working from home, while others are on annual leave. So if you need to get in touch with someone, then please email them and they will get back to you when they are able. There are no details online as yet about the newly ordained Minister's Study Day organised by Spurgeon's College and due to take place on Friday the 27th of November 2020. It's billed as a virtual study day so if you are scheduled to attend please contact the College on their website at www.spurgeons.ac.uk who will be delighted to give you the full details. The McClendon Chair for Baptistic and Evangelical Theologies and the International Baptist Theological Study Centre Amsterdam warmly invite you to join a conversation on Inhabiting the City, which will be held on November the 13th, 2020. The keynote speaker is Ryan Andrew Newson, who will introduce the topic and invite us to reflect on what it means to live as followers of Jesus Christ in contemporary, plural, urban societies. In an interactive online programme of, of about two and a half hours, the theme will be discussed among students, academics, pastors and anyone interested to join. The event will be organised in partnership with the Scottish Baptist College and Ukrainian Evangelical Theological Seminary. They say, we hope for a stimulating and illuminating experiment in online theological conversation across Europe and beyond. For a chance to take part, and the link is a long one, go to mcclendonchair.com forward slash professor dash henk dash backer forward slash blogs forward slash 27 
McClendon Lectures 2020. Alternatively, type ITBS Amsterdam into Google and navigate your way through their website. Thank you, Katie. And Ralph will be along with the small print shortly, but not before we hear a final roundup of the regional news from Colin. There's an article by Reverend Stephen McLean on the London section of the regional news of Baptists Together, explaining how they stream their church services live at Cricklewood Baptist Church. For newcomers, it can be a bit technical, but he does highlight some of the problems and pitfalls as well as giving details of software and equipment he uses. Stephen uses www.switcherstudio.com and restream.io. The main recommendation, though, seems to be look what others are doing and don't repeat their mistakes. Big Questions During the Pandemic facilitates an online discussion group using video conferencing technologies. Each of its five-hour-long sessions looks at an apologetics question, such as the existence of God, the meaning and purpose of life, making sense of suffering and life after death. Big Questions is based on a successful outreach run in Tyneside in April and May. Nick Megaran, Minister of Walls End Baptist Church, said people have also asked big questions about God, life, the universe and everything. Too often we try to ignore them, but the COVID-19 pandemic, when death and fear stalkers and life is turned upside down, simply makes it harder to avoid asking those. People are open as never before. We should seize this opportunity to share the gospel in new ways. We can't press pause on the Great Commission during the COVID-19 pandemic. Each session has a 20-minute pre-recorded talk to watch together, plus hints on running a discussion. The talks are accessible and illustrated with examples from film, books, music and real-life stories. Big Questions is now live on the website of Walls End Baptist Church. It includes pre-recorded talks and guidance on how to set up, promote and run a Big Questions course. All these are free to use and share. In 2017, Baptist Insurance Company provided a grant to The Turning, an evangelistic campaign begun by the Reverend Yinka Oiken and the Gate Baptist Church Reading, which aims to equip Baptist believers to share their faith with others. The money has been used to fund the development of a web-based app, which has underpinned growth of the turning throughout Europe. The way of making disciples is cultural, local and differs from place to place. Yinka said many people don't feel confident to disciple others because they're scared they'll get it wrong. The turning is a movement to train, support and share the making of disciples together. Because we work and train local people through hubs of churches in each community, the message of the gospel remains the same, but trained disciples are able to navigate the cultural landscape of their own communities. The Turnings app has been invaluable in training disciples to reach out to others on the street. It can be downloaded for free onto any phone, 
and includes a free online Bible and daily morning devotion messages. It's just crazy to think that a little Baptist church in Reading can do all this, said Yinka. The whole Baptist family has stood with us and supported the turning. Together we've transformed thousands of lives and added 17,000 disciples to our family in a few short years. We're really excited to see the impact of the turning, said Anne Bishop, chair of the Baptist Insurance Company Grants Committee, and feel privileged to have played our part in enabling it to disciple those who respond to the street events. Yinka became president of the Baptist Union in May 2020. The Turning's London mission, planned for September, was cancelled because of COVID-19, but will be replaced in 2021 by an England-wide mission, which all are invited to join. More details can be found on the Turning's website. A sense of belonging and having fun with others can make a huge difference to our day, especially during these isolating times. What a difference returning to your home make when you've spent a morning being and laughing with others. Led by Church Secretary Angela Wilson, the Cheddar Gorge Friendship Cafe Group has long been a heartwarming ministry where friendships are nurtured, gentle fellowship is shared, fun is had, and where thought-provoking activities take place. It's an opportunity for sharing faith, mutual encouragement, laughter, gifts of poetry, local knowledge and home baking too. Group members have also enjoyed listening to reminiscences based around a special object brought along to share, and they've become quite competitive when it comes to quizzes and games, including Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which has seen them win the jackpot of £1 million, though sadly not in reality. Three years ago, they were invited to meet in Cheddar Library, a move which heralded the new name for the Friendship Cafe in the hope of attracting passing trade, which they did. Some people dropped in occasionally, and others came every week, enjoying cakes, hot drinks and good company together. The initial remit had been to support those with dementia and their carers, with the support of charity Dementia Friends. It quickly became clear, though, that recent bereavements or a desire for a company were also motivations to come along, and sometimes mums with small children returning books to the library joined the group for refreshments. Associate Minister John Thurlow said he and his wife Sophie have been encouraged by hearing about the simple way in which genuine friendship and connection, even in these isolating times, have brought a little bit of light in the darkness through the work of the Friendship Cafe group. Prevented from holding their traditional harvest festival by the Covid pandemic, a North Leeds church in Yorkshire decided the next best thing would be to set up a drive-through drop-off point in their car park in support of the local food bank. Shelley Dring, the children and families worker at Moortown Baptist Church, came up with the idea after hearing that referrals to Leeds North and West Food Bank, which has a branch close to the church, had increased by more than 30% since the start of lockdown. The result was well over 100 people either walked or drove through the car park bringing donations of everything from soap to soup 
and tinned ham to toilet rolls. It was great, said Shelley. The whole thing went way beyond my expectations. Of course, many of our regular congregation dropped by, and after six months of doing church online, it was lovely to see them, but it's also especially pleasing to meet some folk we didn't know. People who over the last few days had simply seen one of our social media posts and turned up wanting to help. Time for that small print now, and here's Ralph. As well as the tapes or CDs or memory sticks supplied free to qualifying members, Baptist Voice is available online at www.baptistvoice.co.uk or as a podcast from iTunes for you to download and keep. Now, if you know of anyone who is visually impaired and would appreciate a copy of Baptist Voice, you can contact us at baptistvoice13 at gmail.com or write to us at Baptist Voice Care of Greenfield Church, Ermston, Manchester, N410TY. Baptist Voice is sponsored by the North West Baptist Association, and all the items included are either in the public domain or reproduced with the copyright holder's permission. If we missed a copyright notice somewhere along the line, then let us know and we'll remove the offending item immediately. And the next edition of Baptist Voice will be our Christmas edition, and that'll be along in the first week of December. But we've kept him waiting long enough. Here's our chaplain, Stephen, and he has remembrance on his mind. Hello, I hope you are well and safe. As with so many other things, Remembrance Sunday will be very different this year. So many of the events, parades and services have had to be cancelled, reduced in size or limited in numbers, and the opportunities for us to remember those who laid down their lives in conflict seem fewer this year. It's yet another important moment that coronavirus has made much more difficult. And yet... We will not forget them. We will keep true to the call of the poem. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Maybe we'll do so in ways that we'd not have chosen in normal circumstances. But we will do so. We will remember the freedom that they longed for, the ideals that they fought for, and the price they paid in that struggle. And we will remember them before God, God who has not forgotten them, God who seeks to hold them and keep them in his eternal light, God who promises through Jesus to bring about the world that they hope for, a world where fear, conflict, destruction and death are no more, and where peace, love and life reign forever. Of course, as we remember these people, as we remember those promises of God, we know that we're a long way from them being completely fulfilled. There is so much good in the world, but there's still so much that provokes fear, division, hatred and conflict. We know the devastating physical, emotional and practical effects that the COVID pandemic is having on so many people, often those who can ill afford them. We know that wars still rage and that people still fight. 
and we know that there are still those who seek to stoke up division between people, seeking to deny other people's humanity and stir people up against them. And we know that our environment is in crisis and that the effects of that could be catastrophic and provoke yet more conflict and more loss of life. But we also trust and believe that God has not forgotten his great promises for the future of our world. We trust and believe that God, who began to put them into effect through Jesus' life, death and resurrection, will bring them to completion. We trust and believe that God knows the suffering, hears the cries, feels the pain, and that he will act to bring justice, wholeness, healing and peace. And so we remember, and we go on remembering, the numbers of those who do remember living through and serving in those two terrible world wars are getting fewer, and the task of remembering is being passed on more and more to the generations that have come after them. And as we remember them, we remember other conflicts, other lives lost as well. But in all of this, we go on remembering God's work in Jesus, God's promises that are fulfilled in him, not to deny the reality of what is happening in the world, but to seek God about that reality, and to remember the hope to which he has called us, through Jesus Christ, coronavirus or not, at the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Let us pray. Lord God, as we prepare to remember those who served and died in war, we thank you that they are not forgotten to you. For in you is a life that nothing can take away, not bullet or bomb or grenade. And just as you remember them, so we do too. And we remember those places in our world where war and conflict still go on, where suffering and pain are not yet gone, where people still lose their lives, their livelihoods, their homes and their hope we know that they aren't forgotten to you either. And so we pray for that time when your kingdom truly comes and the healing, the peace and the new life that it brings take root in our world. Until then, help us to remember your call to peace and justice through your Holy Spirit. Give us what we need to work to bring those about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.